Hey, Haley. Yeah. You know what I do when I need a mental break from some really tough true crime stories that we've talked about and researched? What? I'm really into playing this mobile game right now called Best Fiends. It's this really great casual puzzle game and it engages your brain as you play. So not only are you having a little bit of fun and not being super bored, but you're also doing something for yourself. You feel like you're accomplishing something. Mm -hmm. And it's super easy. I've only been playing for about a week and I'm over 100 levels deep and I can't stop, won't stop. I can't get enough. Yeah, same. It's really great because I travel a lot on buses and planes and subways and you don't need internet access to play. So it works perfectly for me. So engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. With over 100 million downloads, this five-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. Download Best Fiends for free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Best Fiends. Best Fiends. Okay, bye. Bye. Today's episode is sponsored by depression. Is it? I don't know. I feel like every day is sponsored by depression for me. I feel like every true crime podcast is a little bit sponsored by depression. Crippling depression. Yeah. You got requirements to be into true crime, I guess. Yeah. I mean, nobody, nobody healthy is into true crime. Let's think about this. That's like a whole other episode. (laughs) That's a whole other thing. <laughs> we'll get into that eventually. Yeah. I feel like this topic this week is going to be like a pretty like polarizing one. Because uh, I feel like a lot of people have very strong opinions on it. Um, and it's more on the side of like, uh, not necessarily true crime, but definitely crime and how society has reacted to it. So that's kind of why I wanted to talk about this. Okay. And I'm just going to disclaim it. Uh, I mean, everyone's already seen the title, but I don't know if you know what episode we're doing today. I don't ever look at the schedule because I like being surprised. Okay. Well, um, we're talking about um, 13 Reasons Why. Oh, fucking. Okay. I know okay. We, have differing, we have differing opinions on it. So we that's do. why I wanted to do it. It's fine. Yeah. <sighs> so, okay. I know we know the controversies and everything, but I know there are some people that don't know, first, what the series or book is about, and second, um, all of the um, strong opinions that have come out since the series premiered. So, I just wanted to throw out a little disclaimer that we're clearly going to be talking about the Netflix series, 13 Reasons Why, and the book, and it explores sensitive topics like teen suicide and rape and gun violence. So if any of these things are triggering um, and you don't want to hear it, please take care of yourself and sit this episode out. Yes, please do. Yeah. Don't don't um, be a trooper. Actually, could we do like a TLDR at the end for people who don't want to feel like they're missing it? Yes. Yeah. So that way, I, th- that way you get something out of it. Yeah. So they'll skip, if you don't want to listen to the episode, uh, skip ahead to the last, like, five minutes. Yeah. And we'll, we'll be talking about uh, summarizing everything. Yeah. 
Um, I also and don't, wanted. To, oh, go ahead. I wanted to add to the uh, disclaimer that I know that there are very strong opinions about this show, and even seeing the title, some people will be like, "Nah, fuck that." Yep. Um, but Sorry, Haley. This <laughs> this episode, I'm just kind of looking to have an objective kind of conversation about all aspects regarding the book and the series and some events that might have surrounded the two that I'll talk about towards the end. And I can clearly only speak from my experience and I have been extremely fortunate that I have never lost anyone close to me to suicide or gun violence. Um, So anything that I say uh, as my own opinions is coming from that place. Okay. So I think that's uh, a good thing to address. Yeah, if I'm ignorant on anything that I'm saying, it's because uh, I've only done the research in this very specific instance, and I've tried to kind of look at both sides of it, but I'm only as good as the um, articles and resources that I've found, and not from personal experience. Okay. So, there's that very long disclaimer. What did you want to add? You were going to say something before I said something. I did. I did. I did. <laughs> I was. Oh, fuck. Oh, don't feel bad if you want to skip because I think that if I were in your shoes, I would also skip it because I know that it is a really tough topic. Yes. Yeah. It can be very that's triggering all. in, like, in that all it's of not, the things they talk about. Yeah. Like, it's not something to feel bad about if you feel the need to skip because I would probably be doing the same thing if it wasn't for you know co-hosting the episode (laughs) it's all right uh i'm just touching on like very surface level um i'm not like describing anything that happens so yeah kindly tag your spoilers Haley. yes i will all right so jumping right in uh first i'm going to talk about the book because the book came out first and i feel like a lot of the controversy has sprung up around the series because it's more in your face it's more topical it's netflix like anyone that see like has netflix and sees like a new series like oh let me just check this out but it was based on a book yes uh it was published in 2007 by jay asher i was gifted the book for i don't know like a christmas birthday or whatever because even as a child i liked dark uh fiction Mm -hmm. and nonfiction. um currently right now it has a 3.9 out of 5 on goodreads with over 700,000 ratings so it's still sitting pretty high. If you go onto that Goodreads page and you start reading some of the more recent comments, I feel like a lot of people, um, it's had its resurgence since the show came out. So a lot of people are, are talking about the troublesome things that were in the book. But just as a reminder, it was published in 2007. So um, quite a while before any of the more um, crazy things have been going on in the world okay um i mean obviously columbine happened and everything like that so yeah there's that i don't think from what i remember of the book there's no real talk of um like a mass gun violence i think that was invented for the show okay again i haven't read the book in in quite a while but so the description of the the actual book is Clay Jensen returns home from school to find a strange package with his name on it lying on his porch. Inside, he discovers several cassette tapes recorded by Hannah Baker, his classmate and crush, who committed suicide two weeks earlier. Hannah's voice tells him that there are 13 reasons why she decided to end her life, and Clay is one of them. 
If he listens, he'll find out why. Clay spends the night crisscrossing the town with Hannah as his guide. He becomes a first-hand witness to Hannah's pain, and as he follows Hannah's recorded words throughout the town, what he discovers will change his life forever. Hmm. So, basically the same premise of the first uh, season of the series. Yeah. So, the series is, I think it has three seasons right now. It's available on Netflix. Um, the overall show has a 38% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, so, that sounds about right. Yeah, that's kind of <laughs> low. But I'll get into it because you can look at it by um, by season two. So yes. you'll see kind of, spoiler alert, the decline of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the Rotten Tomatoes score, like the tomato meter score. The audience score is 57%, so more in the middle. Um, it has a 93% on Google and hmm. a 7.8 out of 10 on IMDb. Okay. Yeah. Whatever you say. <laughs> um, it's I, and that's to the Google. That's not to Haley. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> the different types of people that are reviewing to Google rather than Rotten Tomatoes. That's why we like to give kind of like all the, the broad yeah. range of scores because it we can see in all the pop culture stuff that we talk about, it varies greatly. Yes. <laughs> and Google's usually a little more kind. Google's usually a lot more kind. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god, my phone! Uh, oh god! Oh my god! <laughs> my phone uh, heard me say Google too many times, oh. and uh, it told me it didn't understand. And well, then, then I'm sorry. It. We should apologize to everybody else who has a Google whatever. Yeah, and is then and just to even the score. If you are listening, things listening to us without headphones or anything, Alexa. Hey Siri. Okay, and that should do it. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, everybody. Um, yeah. So instead of before I say Google again, I'll have to make sure she's not listening. Um, so the series was created by Brian Yorkie and it's executive produced by Selena Gomez, Joy Gorman, and Crystal uh, Labelin, as well as Brian Yorkie. And okay. it stars uh, Dylan Minette. Yes. Minette. 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 Uh, he plays Clay. He is from uh, movies such as Let Me In, Goosebumps, Don't Breathe. He was also in Grey's Anatomy, I think, as a child and I Lost. Think, and wasn't he also in oh, Hoot? Wasn't that he sounds li- right. Wasn't he the little kid in Hoot, if I'm not mistaken? Oh, TBT to Simpler that, Times. Is that PETA Malark from. Yeah, uh, neither. Is it Josh something? No, see, none of the above. It was Logan Lerman. My bad. All white boys look the same. (laughs) Anyway, they're all they're all the same looking when they're twelve. Anyway, the the real star of that movie was, if not the owls, Brie Larson. So we can move on. That's true. Yes, Uh, but yeah, apparently he was in Grey's Anatomy and Lost as a kid. Um, His band, The Fever, played Warp Tour in 2011. I think they won like a competition, and they were. They played Warped Tour. He is now in a band called Wallows, which is actually pretty good. Yeah. I think they have um, That's some music. Dope. I heard something from them on YouTube, I believe. Like okay. Maybe they did like one of those tiny desk concerts for NPR or something like that. But hmm. uh, they're pretty good. It also stars Catherine Langford as Hannah. She was just in Knives Out, which I've heard is very good. Uh, I haven't seen it yet. She was also in Adventures Endgame and Love, yes. Simon she's a very good actress 
She's a very oh. good actress. I was going to say, she definitely jerks the tears around. Yeah, and I didn't realize she was Australian. Oh! She's not from the U.S. That's like when I found out that Florence Pugh, the girl who plays Amy in Little Women, and she was also in Midsummer, yeah, was British, and it took me like a good 24 hours to wrap my head around that. So now I'm going to just be spending the, rep- the rest of the episode thinking about how that's possible think, that yeah, she's I think not she's australian and God. uh she, i think yeah i'm pretty sure she has an accent why are I, we so I terrible with something us else. we're so bad with australian accents i don't know and yet they're so good with ours to the point that we don't realize <laughs> yeah <laughs> that they're not american i feel like that should say a lot whatever just chalk it up to the talent yep um another actor in the show is uh christian navarro and he plays yes. Tony, and he was also in Can You Ever Forgive Me, that movie with um, Melissa McCarthy mm-hmm. that was nominated for an Oscar or something. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also Alicia Bow as Jessica. Love her. And she was in a movie that, when I was like researching her credits, uh, I had never heard of this movie before, but I need to see it. It's called Yes, God, Yes. And mm. um, Stranger Things' Natalie Dyer is in, um, oh. in the movie as well. So it sounds like a really good movie. I want to see it now. Um, she was also in Modern Family and she was in CSI and NCIS as well as a couple of other people who are in the show. That's why I'm mentioning it. Hmm. Um, Kate Walsh plays Hannah's mom. She was famously yeah. Grey's Anatomy. She was also in Fargo, Perks of Being a Wallflower and Girl Strip. And Private Practice. Yes. Justice I, for Addison Montgomery. <laughs> I only pulled up a couple of credits for each person. That's okay. I'm a human IMDb. I have all the credits you want. Perfect. And some that you don't want. <laughs> um, you can help me with this one. Brandon Flynn, he plays Justin. He was in True Detectives. Did he? True Detectives. Dated sorry. Sam Smith. Dated Sam Smith, right? He dated Sam Smith. He broke Sam Smith's heart. Most of the singles Sam Smith has out right now are because of Brandon Flynn. They also had very cute matching piercings. I was quite a fan, and oh, I'm very that sad cute. that they're no longer together. That's very upsetting. Yeah. Um, we have um, Ro- Ross ahead. Butler, who plays Zach, and he was in Shazam and also Riverdale. Yes, he was OG Re- G on Riverdale. Nice. Mm-hmm. And then we have Justin Prentice. He plays Bryce, the villain of the show. He was in Preacher, also NCIS, and also CSI. Yes. And I feel more like importantly, is he's already point. got a place reserved for himself in hell. But anyway. He seemed like a decent guy in some of the interviews and stuff I saw of him. This show I mean, ruined it for me for him, though. Like, I hate him now. I, I just, I can't do but, it. And I only saw the first season. I don't think I even finished the first season. Well, I'll get to it, but like they... I mean, whether it's a controversy or not, they do kind of try to humanize him a little bit more in the later seasons. Yeah, I was going to say, but no, no, no. I mean, there's two sides (laughs) to everybody, but still, like, are you trying to, like, gain sympathy for, spoiler alert, like, the rapist? And yeah, that's that's a whole other controversy. Um, Last one we got is Mile miles heiser oh yes hire i almost said teller miles heiser (laughs) was in parenthood he's best friends with may whitman who played his sister in parenthood yep he was also in love simon along with katherine langford and you know what else he was in i'm ready he was in the stanford prison experiment oh you're right yeah oh my god i love him i truly do i think he's he's really good so talented and he's just a righteous dude 
Yeah. And I'm a fan. He was also in CSI Miami. Yes, he was. <laughs> Little baby Everyone's Miles. In CSI. If you're not on SVU or CSI, then you're not doing anything with your career. It's true. Everyone mm. needs to have that. At least once. Yeah. Okay, so now I'm going to break it down by season and explain like what happens each season. Also, um, this is just a spoiler alert for the show in general. If you plan on watching the show, then maybe dip out because I'm going to kind of go into detail of like a general outline of what happens during each season. And also uh, later on, I'm going to explain the differences between the book and the series. So if you want to read one or watch one, dip out. Okay. So season one premiered on Netflix in March, 2017. And the description says the late Hannah Baker explained why she commits suicide to her high school peers through a collection of cassette tapes that she left behind short, sweet to the point. It has a 79% on the tomato meter and also the audience score, so it matched. Mm -hmm. um, the critics' consensus was, quote, 13 Reasons Why uh, complements its best-selling source material with a gripping look at adolescent grief, whose narrative maturity contradicts its YA roots. Um, I also included two um, reviews, one positive and one negative, to kind of see for each season, to kind of see how different people are thinking of it. So Liz Shannon Miller of IndieWire says, quote, it's an examination of the ways we hurt each other deliberately or casually, knowingly or otherwise. The adult edges to this story ring with honesty and truth because sometimes the only way to feel something is for it to hurt, end quote. Hmm. And on the flip side of that, Lauren Hoffman of Cosmo says, quote, the series is so enamored with this idea that Hannah as someone who does things to others that it neglects to tell us who she is herself. That's not only a failure to tell the story to the best and fullest extent, it's a missed opportunity on a broader scale, end quote. And having watched the show, I can kind of agree with both of those reviews. Uh, I'll say right now that like I'm on the side of, as a work of um, fiction and uh, retelling of a story that I had read, I actually liked the show, but I can also see all of the problems with it. Okay. And Caitlin, what are you on the side of? I am vehemently against it. Okay. For reasons that if you don't get to, I will happily explain. Oh, definitely. I want us to both be kind of like talking about this, but, um, but yeah, like you can agree with both of those quotes, right? Yes. One more than the other, but yes, the, the <laughs> rationalist in me wants to say yes. She's yeah. a very small person compared to the irrationalist in me, but I'm going to do it for the, for the pod. I'm going to do it it's for the right. pod. We'll, we'll get to the fury after I explain like what I got written down, then we'll, we'll get into the real meat of it. Oh, good. <laughs> so season two premiered on Netflix in May, 2018. The description is, quote, memories of Hannah haunt Clay as a lawsuit against the school goes to trial and more startling secrets emerge as the students testify, end quote. This one, uh, season one had a 79% on the tomato meter. Season two has a 25%, but an audience score of 51. So audiences are like half and half. Yeah. Uh, the critics consensus is, quote, 
By deviating from the original source material, 13 Reasons Why can better explain its tenderly crafted characters. Unfortunately, in the process, it loses track of what made the show so gripping in the first place. End quote. Um, Sophie Gilbert of The Atlantic says, quote, Season 2 is a worthy attempt at a do-over, if a flawed one. End quote. And David Barker of The New Statesman said, quote, the second season feels more like dealing with the aftermath of the first season's criticism while lacking a true narrative of its own, end quote. And I think that's a very good description of the second season because of all of the controversy and hate they kind of received over season one. I feel like season two was like made to try to uh, gain favor back a little bit. And it didn't really have too much of a storyline. Mm. Or the storyline was weak compared to season one. I will be quiet. <clears throat> I promise. It's all right. We'll, we'll get to it. <laughs> I'm not going to talk about something that I don't know. Like the first season, you I know. Seen the, se yes, the second season. Yes, I'm yeah. not gonna. I'm not gonna shit on something just because. Or rather, I do that a lot, but I'm not gonna do it now. <laughs> yeah, and I will also say that, like, even though the. Um, I didn't enjoy the story very much of the second or third seasons. The acting was still like pretty fucking solid. They're like, excellent actors. Yeah. They're really good actors, especially with like all of the situations that the characters are put in. It's really tough situations for uh, even like seasoned, like Oscar nominated actors. And the fact that these are younger actors, like, teens early mid 20s like it's pretty fucking good hmm. yeah <coughs> i'm i i'm i've got nothing against the actors it's just there it's not it's a job and i can understand that it's like yeah i i just like what are they gonna do not work not have a platform like i mean i understand it i can't i can't hate them for it yeah exactly uh so the last one we have is season three the most recent season it premiered on netflix in august of 2019 and the description is quote months after the spring fling liberty high is hit with a new shock when bryce walker is murdered the night of homecoming and everyone is a suspect end quote so in contrast we had season one with a 79 percent on the tomato meter Season two with a 25%. Can you guess what the score was for season three? 69. 12. Oh. <laughs> 12%. I went for the meme. I should have gone for the IRL. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, with an audience score of 41, so a little less love. Yeah, that's... The <laughs> it sounds about right. That's, yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the critics' consensus is, quote, 13 Reasons Why attempts to break away from its first two seasons only to become a melodramatic mess of a murder mystery, end quote. Which, yes, that's kind of what happened. Yeah. Uh, Stephanie Archer of Film Inquiry says, quote, season three is not as strong as its previous seasons, but it does not make it any less relevant. End quote. Jen Cheney of New York Magazine slash Vulture says, quote, the third season of 13 Reasons Why is a ridiculous, maddening, overlong example of peak TV era television that doesn't know how to quit when it's ahead, end quote. Mm -hmm. So she went a little hard on that one. Yeah, but 
We love an opinionated queen, so I ain't mad if you don't at like it. something, tell me about it. Yes. Oh, I will. I promise. Don't pussyfoot around it. <laughs> hey, don't um, insult Mo. So I'm going to go into um, some of the, the differences between the book and the movie, and then I think we'll kind of dig into like uh, our different points of view on the show, and then I'll talk about the controversies. That sound good? Yeah. Okay, good. All right, so book V series. So the book is told in the first person uh, through Clay's point of view, and it makes it feel like you've been let in on kind of like an intimate conversation between Hannah and Clay. Um, it's occasionally interrupted by the outside world, but like you're hearing Clay and hearing his thoughts. So it's much more personal that way. The show still focuses on Clay as the main character, but the events are led by Hannah's tapes. But you do kind of break away from Clay's point of view every once in a while to um, the bigger web of people and events that are happening. So during each tape, when it talks about a different person, you're kind of led more into their point of view than through Clay's, which um, kind of makes sense for the show especially because of some of the other things that they changed over. If it was told in one person's point of view for that many episodes, I think it kind of would have gotten stale, but it makes sense to kind of change that over. Yeah. Um, in the book, Clay binge listens to the tapes, finishing them all in one night. So this might be like the biggest change in the show. He listens to the tapes over the course of a week, um, which obviously for the show makes like, gives him plenty of time to dramatically confront all the people that are on the tapes. And that didn't happen in the book either. He didn't confront all these people. Okay. Um, another big thing, because the book was in 2007 and the show premiered in 2017, the technology is different. Um, so the cassette tapes stayed the same, which I did enjoy um, that they had kept that one detail because I thought it was like, pretty big if it had been on like a usb or like a cd i don't think it would have had the same effect but i mean obviously in 2007 um cassette tapes were already kind of faded out at that point they weren't brought back as retro yet so uh it was a weird detail that jay asher put into the books into the book yeah. um but also um in the show obviously like there's a lot more happening through like group text and like people taking selfies and stuff um in the book they talk about like a, a rumor about hannah in the show there's like actual photos being passed around and like through a cell phone and stuff so that kind of adds a different element to it um there's a lot of like underage drinking and a few sex scenes in the book, but yep. in the TV show, obviously like kids have kind of grown up to a different level nowadays. So um, there's a lot more accurate portrayals of what teen life is like with lots of drugs and sex scenes and alcohol and cursing and all that sort of stuff. To, to a degree, I will say, I think that, now more than ever, Hollywood is over-sexualizing teenagers, and part of that is oh yeah, the way they have adults play teenagers. Exactly, um, yeah. It started out as that was the case, not because it was taking advantage of that population, but more like 
we have to pay more if we actually hire a teenager. Um, yeah, because like at like under a certain age, like the, a parent has to be on set or a guardian, and like and they can the only times, work a certain number of hours. Exactly, the time that they work, work is different. Yeah, yeah, and they need to pay for things like tutors if they're underage or yeah. Like, so it's if just, you can get if you can get like a twenty five year old that looks like a 15 year old or you can make them look a little more like a 15 year old than like yeah, why wouldn't you exactly exactly yeah. but unfortunately it's just i think it's gotten a little out of control yeah but i think that's one of the main reasons that it's kind of changed in that way yeah but yeah the show is um very liberal with um portrayals of uh, deviant behavior, I guess oh, you could put it. Oh, yes. Um, there's a lot more diversity in the show. Um, so the characters' races and sexual orientations aren't really specified in the book. Um, but in the show, yes, both like the leads are straight and white, but there are a number of actors of color in prominent roles as, wed as well as many um, LGBTQ characters. Mm -hmm. um, Which is great. Yeah, of course. And it makes more sense. I mean, it, it's weird. I, like, I would notice if something was completely whitewashed because then it just seems like very jarring. Um, but it just makes sense to put a little more diversity in the book. You can kind of like, as you're reading it, even if you don't, uh, even if they don't say that a character is a certain race or sexual orientation, you kind of like create your own world. So they could be anybody. Right. So, um, that's good that it's a little bit different. Yeah. Um, I agree. in the book, there's no lawsuit that happens in season two. Um, in the show, Hannah's parents file a lawsuit against the school um, that basically starts the events of season two and all the drama that ensues there. Um, so yeah, so pretty much anything past season one is like a deviation from uh, the book. So, um, I, oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I, I will say, I think in terms of the lawsuit thing, that's because back in 2007 when the book came out, there weren't many laws against bullying at that time. Yeah, that's true. And schools were not seen as legally liable mm -hmm. at that time as much as they were. Like, if, you, if it was 2007 and your child was bullied to the point of committing suicide or attempting suicide or just attempting to harm themselves in any way, shape or form. Yeah, you could say to the school, hey, I'm going to sue but the school mm -hmm. would just be like, yeah, go ahead, because you yeah, won't have grounds. There's, yeah. yeah, like, go ahead, try. Um, but nowadays, they are definitely held more responsible. And there are a lot more things in place, not just for the schools, but also for the bullies themselves. Mm -hmm. And they're more legally liable now than they were 10 yeah. plus years ago. So I can understand. Now. Well, there's more there's more proof now, but also there has been more legislation enacted. Um, That's true. Just in general, because like it's just become more and more prolific. And sure, I think that some of that could have to do with being it being there being more proof. But I think that it's also just that it's be it has been 
and has continued to be an epidemic. And just as you would make driving without a license (laughs) or without insurance illegal, Mm -hmm. and you hold the driver responsible should there be an accident, I think that that's where they ended up going. That's the direction people ended up going in in the legal system in terms of bullying and in terms of teen suicide. Teen suicide rates have been... Well, we'll we'll talk about that. But um, yeah, I I, yeah. I get <laughs> up to that at a, at a certain point. Um, but just a couple more differences. So um, the fate of the tapes is also a, a difference in the book. Clay mails off the tapes um, to reason number ten, and he never hears what happens next because he was reason number nine. Um, in the show, he's changed to reason number eleven. And passes the tapes to number 13, who is, spoiler alert, the school counselor. Number 12 is the rapist, who Mm -hmm. you could argue is, like, the number one reason why all this happened. Um, And also, it's doubtful that that person would pass it on to the next person, because that's, like, let's say each tape is recorded an hour long. That's 12 hours of evidence, like, against you as a person, so, like... Ooh. yeah um so yeah as it like if this had happened to any of us like yes you're gonna pass it along to the next uh person that would actually do something um but the first 10 reasons the first 10 people uh sp- spend all of the episodes of season one pretty much trying to figure out how to keep the tapes under wraps because no one wants their part of the story to be aired like that. Um, And then they start mentioning the tapes in the uh, depositions for the trial, so, like, that all happens. Um, And then Tony gives a copy of the tapes to Hannah's parents. So it's very clear what happens to the tapes in the show rather than in the book. Right. Another big difference is Courtney Crimson who's one of the characters in the book. Um, She's the nice girl, and she spends the night at Hannah's to help her catch a peeping Tom, and they give each other back massages to get the peeping Tom excited, and then the drama ensues at a party when Courtney spreads rumors about Hannah for no reason. Um, In the show, Courtney is still a nice girl, but she spends the night at Hannah's to help catch the quote-unquote stalker, the girls get drunk and play a game of, like, strip truth or dare, pretty much, mm-hmm. and ends with Courtney daring Hannah to kiss her, and that's late, later on in the episode you find out Courtney's gay. Um, and then they get Tyler, who's the stalker, to take pictures of them kissing, and that gets sent around the school. So Courtney spreads the rumor at the dance that Hannah's lesbian to cover up her own sexual orientation. Right. So. That's one of the main differences. And another example of how the technology changed because the actual physical photos were spread around the school. Um, in the book, Clay is described as just a normal guy who everyone likes. In the show, to, for some added drama, I guess, he's a nerdy kid that doesn't really fit in. Mm-hmm. Um... The ending is also different. So, okay. Obviously, um, the book followed, or season one followed the book pretty closely. So, if you're kind of setting yourself up for a season two, 
it, everything can't really wrap up. So that kind of makes sense why this would be changed. But in the book, Clay reaches out to Skye, who's a childhood friend that he had lost touch with, who is showing signs of being suicidal. So the book kind of sets up like he listened to all these tapes of somebody who he really cared about and basically learned warning signs of um, this type of uh, feeling of like basically feeling suicidal and going through depression and everything. He starts to see that in one of his childhood friends and the end of the book is pretty much like he's going to help her out based on what he has learned and he won't be blind to um, stuff like that anymore. So kind of an uplifting ending to a very sad book <clears throat> in the show. Of course, after hours full of drama, um, there's a scene at the end that um, includes like basically that type of ending um, where Tony and Clay and Sky are driving through beautiful scenery. Um, but then uh, there's an intense scene towards the end that Justin uh, confronts his best friend Bryce, who is the rapist. Jessica admits that she had also been raped, and um, there's a second character's suicide attempt, and it never gets resolved, and then that sets up season two. So, not as an uplifting ending. No. Yeah. So, before I get into the controversies and some of the um, studies that were done... How do you feel about the show? <sighs> okay. So here's the thing. I think that the show had a really good chance to raise awareness about bullying and teen mm -hmm. suicide, to deal with things like this gracefully, um, to... They had, like, a really great platform that they could have used. And I think yeah. that rather than make it something that could almost be, like, a little after-school specially, but not to that degree of cheesiness, but just yep. that it would educate and it would give kids the ability to learn as well as be riveted, I don't think that would have been difficult for them to do. But instead, I yeah. think that they chose the the moneymaker route so to speak where they showed some really graphic stuff in the first mm -hmm. season that not only was triggering but when they were going around during pre-production they actually spoke with a lot of experts on bullying suicide on mental yeah. health yeah well then i'll leave you to talk about that mm -hmm. um but that's one place where they dropped the ball um another thing <laughs> That they didn't even put trigger warnings in front of the episodes until after the fact, when they were called yep. for by the public. That's something that's just really bothersome to me. And again, like, they had every opportunity to do something really great with this. Yeah. And I gotta say, I think it's the first time that Netflix has dropped the ball on something like this. Um, because, like, for example, you something can take can a show so like... Yeah. You, for example, yeah. you could take a show like Sex Education. That's another show on Netflix. And they're very progressive and they do things in a not just a gentle way, but a tasteful way that's still interesting and riveting. 
Yeah. And they had every opportunity to do that here. And I think that they they took the not not even the selfish way out, just the greedy way out. And they wanted to it's not you can't even say that it was about creating art because some of these shots are just so gratuitously you think it was done for the shock value yeah i think it was done for the shock value and that they wanted they could not guarantee that people would be talking about it if they turned it into a show that was progressive and could have a positive impact so instead they turned it into something where people would constantly talk about the bathtub scene for example yeah i get to it in a little in a little bit but there's was i'll talk about that too Mm -hmm. um like a three minute full suicide scene right and that's like i have (sighs) like i'm not defending the show in any way because as you said like until shit really hit the fan they didn't have trigger warnings which i thought is peculiar that just assumes that people know um the book previously and um can take care of themselves in that way but like and it assumes that people so i'm sorry it unless you have parental controls on your netflix which some people do yes but the vast majority does not so you're telling me that it's that these people would have no issues with say a 10 year old kid watching this because it's what all of their friends are watching and it's what the eighth graders are watching and all of that other stuff and seeing this kind of stuff with no warning not just for them but for their parents who may be in or out of the room yeah like it's Um, just (laughs) i would also say a problem with netflix's um parental controls as far as i have seen is you either get a regular adult account or you get a kid's account yeah which just has all of like the animated stuff and and stuff like that so like there's a very very big um gray area for anyone that's like 10 to 18 that wouldn't have that child control yeah so i mean this is also just from what i've seen i've never tried to put um parental controls on my account but like flipping through menus it looks like it's pretty limited right no i'm with you yeah um but then like playing devil's advocate if you um are going through a mental health crisis um i would think you wouldn't try to seek out a show like this i mean if i i don't know that that's necessarily true and it's not i mean quite honestly again not having gone through this yeah, I, I I understand. I I just I think that for one thing, you don't want to be left out. Like this show came out, it was highly anticipated, and everybody was talking about it from yeah. the minute it was announced. Yep. Um, I think that for one thing, you don't want to. Everybody has FOMO. Everybody has that they don't want to be missing out. It's one thing if you're not interested, but if you want to know what people are talking about even if you do have an interest in it i think that you can still have mental health issues if you if you can still be suicidal or have suicidal tendencies or have attempted in the past or anything and you can still want to see the show want to know about the show Mm -hmm. however i don't like i just don't think that it's 
it should be the viewer's job to police their what they're watching to that degree like for example if there were trigger warnings then that's when they can police but i don't think that how are they going to know unless they watch it or unless somebody posts online and it's like hey share this this is triggering because x y and z which people did do yes um but i'll i'll be frank i mean i saw those warnings after i saw it okay and i mean would it have been helpful to know that it would have prepared you yeah probably yeah it would have prepared me there would have been parts that i probably would have skipped yep. um but they should have um did you watch the this is like kind of a departure but did you watch the uh seth meyers comedy special on netflix I think I feel like I did. Yes, yes, I did. I did. So if anyone hasn't, there's a section where like it's a comedy special. Yes. But he has a section on politics. And yes. the way you can do stuff with technology now is uh he explains like if anyone wants if anyone watching on Netflix wants to skip the talk about politics and no one wants to hear what a comedian has to say about politics, there's gonna be a little button in the corner that will skip you to the end of this section. So you do not have to watch this section. Yeah. So if Netflix had, they have the technology to do this. Oh yeah. If they had gone in and said, do you want to skip, skip trigger? Let's just right. say. So it would skip the section, um, the suicide say, scene. Well, the suicide scene, the, the rape, rape scenes. Scene. Yeah. Um, uh, like there, are, like that's the thing too, because then how much of it, that brings it back to the onus falling upon the producers and the writers because you'd basically be skipping the entire series if if you had that button um like they just because they went really hard on it like i mean there have been movies that have won oscars depicting suicide talking about suicide all of that that were not nearly as graphic and they have won oscars yeah I mean, I just, I think it was largely unnecessary. And I'm not saying that Netflix should or should not have one of those buttons. I think it is a great idea in general to have. But I think it would have been something smart that they should have done from the beginning. I I mean, along with putting fucking trigger warnings in the front of a show. Trigger warnings. Even like, hang on, I'm going to look really quick to see what the rating is for it on netflix because that's oh, another it's like thing. nc-17 or well like that's what i was R gonna say yeah like what is the rating on this because that's another big thing here because then you kind of get more of an idea of what you're getting into and it is rated tvma um yep. and now actually i'm on my phone and the first thing so when you click on it it says 13 reasons why 2019 tvma blah 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 but it also has a big content warning button. And yeah. when you click it, it says content warning. This series contains scenes that viewers may find disturbing, including graphic depictions of sexual assault, substance abuse, and suicide. If you or anyone you know needs help finding support or crisis resources, please go to 13reasonswhy.info for more information. And then you can hit OK or you can hit visit website. Yeah. So that's what they put in the front of every episode. Um, season two moving forward but um i mean i saw season one before a lot of the the shit hit the fan before like the controversies really started so it's hard for me to uh definitely say without fault that there was no type of warning on anything 
Um, Mm -hmm. But they definitely didn't have the content warning that they have now. Now they have like a little title card with an actor from the show saying, if you need crisis resources, visit the website and everything like that. Yeah. Um, And I think that's, though I will say that the, the website in question is pretty bare bones because I did click on it. And it's got like a crisis hotline and a crisis text line and their websites. They've got a list of advocacy and support resources. Then they've got a bunch of videos of, like you were saying, of cast members saying like, hey, if you need help. And yeah. then, But then they go, this is what the show is about. And you can yeah. click and choose from seasons one through three on the mm-hmm. website so i like to watch so yeah. i mean it's it's good that they did it but it, even still they're still marketing it yeah like it's a website for resources but also kind of an advertisement for the yeah show. it's a promotion yeah uh i'm gonna get into some of the controversies because we're getting late in the episode So um, I pulled from a couple of different articles referencing some different studies. So here we go. Okay. Um, There was a study published in the Journal of the American Academy of Children and Adolescent Psychiatry, and it was funded by the National Institute of Health and the National Institute of Mental Health. Um, It found that suicide rates amongst teens increased following the debut of 13 Reasons Why. But researchers were unable to prove that the show was directly responsible for the unprecedented spike. Mm, it states okay. that, yeah, I know, I, I was like, uh, weird, but like, also, what else could it, OJ got let off. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so there's yeah. no justice in the world. No. Um, uh, so it's stated that the overall suicide rate amongst children aged 10 to 17 increased by a significant amount following the premiere of the series in March 2017. The study also saw that over the course of nine months following the show's release, there were 195 more suicides in that age group um, than established trends would have predicted. Looking okay. specifically at the month after the series premiered, researchers found that the suicide rate was 0.57 per 100,000 children in the 10 to 17 age range. While suicide rates amongst girls didn't change, interestingly, the suicide rate amongst boys went up 28.9% after the month uh, the month after the show premiered, hmm. making that month uh, the highest number of child deaths by suicide in the entire five-year period researchers studied. Hmm. So that is weird. You would think if uh, people were doing kind of copycats of this type of uh, event, then the show is uh, from a girl's kind of point of view and uh, problems that she went through. But the suicide rate amongst boys 10 to 17 went up but i do think that makes sense because of that one male character who attempts to commit suicide yeah i think i think that that just kind of i i not to be insensitive but i think that kind of just showed boys like hey it's okay to kill yourself too it's not just a girl thing 
I can see that. But also, like, I would think that it the suicide rate had gone up in girls of that age range because of how the show kind of depicts Hannah as, like, a martyr. Yeah. Like, she died for this. She's a little bit glorified for this. A a lot of it. I, I definitely think that she's glorified for it. Yeah, the fact that you can, like get your revenge from beyond the grave pretty much like and that all these people's lives are for not just forever changed but in some cases ruined that you can like how what's the best way to get back at your bullies yeah. to kill yourself and, and torture them. them from beyond the grave yeah like that's not a message that you should be conveying especially to like teenagers have so much like they get a lot of crap and they're actually they're they are smart they are just they are just as capable of changing the world as adults they're they're human beings however they are still growing and learning in some aspects and one of those is emotionally so they cannot rationally understand that hey this isn't a movie this isn't a tv show this isn't a fairy tale yeah yeah it's not it's that's not how things go and yeah, when and you're it, gone, you're gone. There's not a season two. Yeah, just like putting that idea in some kid's head. Like, how many times in your younger age did you watch something like anything? You did you read Harry Potter at the age of like nine, and then you were like, were a wizard? Yeah, <laughs> like, but actually, still waiting like, on my letter. Like, the amount of empathy you have as a child and that you can put yourself into the character's shoes can be dangerous in this type of situation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, going back to the, uh, the studies a little bit, the findings promoted a wave of news articles and concern on social media, clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, but missing from the headlines were important caveats. Um, researchers did not know if anyone who had died watched the show So they couldn't, like, take the names of these people and link them to having watched the show on Netflix or even having a Netflix account or even knowing about the show. Um, And they used a forecasting model to predict what the suicide rates should have been and relied on a small number, um, which were prone to wide variations, which fucked up study. You're like, okay, this is what I think the suicide numbers are going to be. So weird, but... Basically, the study determined correlation, not causation. So they couldn't say that of the X amount of people that watched the show, Y amount of people killed themselves. Right. Like, that would be causation. But that's not what the study was looking at. Yeah. So Victor Schwartz, who is the medical director at the Jed Foundation, it's a nonprofit organization that focuses on mental health and suicide prevention for teens, said, quote, it's certainly a curious association, and it looks like the analysis they did in the study was pretty thoughtful. It really shows that something happened in that April that was different from other Aprils. It might not be the show, it might be something environmental, but there's no other obvious thing that changed, end quote. Right. Another recent study from the University of Pennsylvania found that students who watched the entire second season were less likely to harm themselves on purpose or seriously consider suicide, which is also interesting. Um, Dan Romer, who is the co-author of that study, told BuzzFeed News 
that he was surprised by some of the more positive findings. According to Romer, the study showed that people went online and looked up information after completing the second season of 13 Reasons Why to learn more about topics covered in the show, including suicide and sexual abuse. He mm. said, quote, we didn't quite expect that getting through the whole thing would be beneficial for anybody, end quote. Which m makes more sense because season two is when um, they had to kind of deal with the fallout from season one where they put... Um, the website of resources together. They put the um, the warnings on each episode. So it told people like there are resources out there. If you're feeling any type of way that this show is depicting, find those resources. Right. Use them. Not just find them. Here they are. Yeah, exactly. Like we're giving you a website to show you where they are. So over the past two years from there, there, was number, there were numerous studies on 13 Reasons Why and its potential impact on viewers, including one by Northwestern Center on Media and Human Development that was commissioned by Netflix after the show's controversial first season. Experts say that the sheer volume of research can make it difficult for readers to navigate and get a clear picture of what the data actually shows. Schwartz again said, quote, people tend to sort of read the headline and jump to some kind of conclusion when these things are really complicated end quote. Mm -hmm. And that's another important thing. There were a lot of um, uh, headlines afterwards. That's like 13 reasons why it kills people or like, yeah, like stay away from 13 reasons why it's like, you do kind of have to uh, read a little bit more into something like this. Um, Netflix told digital spy that it was looking into the data but noted differences between the nationwide children's hospital findings and those of UPenn, the two studies that I had uh, talked about previous. Mm -hmm. So a spokesperson for Netflix uh, said at the time, quote, uh, we've just seen the study and are looking into the research, which co uh, conflicts from last week's study on uh, by the University of Pennsylvania. This is a critically important topic, and we have worked hard to ensure that we handle the sensitive issue responsibly. End quote. Um, Helen Sue, Sue, I think, HSU. Um, she okay. is a licensed clinical psychologist in California who has served as a mental health consultant um, on the show since season one and said that Netflix has a, quote, very strong commitment to do things responsibly, end quote. And this includes tasking someone with analyzing and monitoring research about the show. She also said, quote, nobody's randomly doing things for shock value. I think we all feel really strong that the stigma has to be broken and these things have to be talked about, end quote. Um, I kind of take fault with that. Like, I think it's being a little too defensive, saying that no one's doing something for shock value and, like, you have to talk about these things because uh, it has to be out there for people to get help um it's kind of going back to what you said that like but does it have to be this aggressive right can the show just be talking about suicide and gun violence and rape culture without having to show you graphically how that is played out right right graphically yeah. what exactly it is that you're talking about yeah so <laughs> Uh, jumping into that, I'm going to talk about the suicide scene, so if anyone needs to jump forward a couple of minutes, go right for it. 
So the original cut of the scene in question featured the main character, Hannah, getting into the bathtub and slitting her wrists. Again, in the book, this isn't what happened. It's not graphically written out over pages. I think in the book, um, Clay casually just mentions that she like swallowed pills. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the end of um, the actual scene. Like <laughs> it doesn't go into like her death very much. It's It just follows the tapes. Right. So clearly those details are not included in the show anymore. If you go back and watch season one, it's not there anymore. The show's creator, Brian Yorkie, said to The Hollywood Reporter, quote, Our creative intent in portraying the ugly, painful reality of suicide in such graphic detail in season one was to tell the truth about the horror of such an act and make sure no one would ever wish to emulate it, end quote. Um, I see what they were trying to do, but I don't think it was successful. Right, I agree. Yeah. But hearing his explanation of it, I'm like, okay, I I know you weren't doing it to just be a monster. Yeah. <clears throat> so writer Nick Sheff, who wrote in the 2017 guest column for Vanity Fair um, about his own experience with mental health and suicide attempts, um, it helped shape his desire to include that scene on the show. So this is actually coming from somebody who has um, gone through the mental loop-de-loop that is what actually happened in the show Mm -hmm. and he says quote it seemed to me the perfect opportunity to show what an actual suicide really looks like to dispel the myth of the quiet drifting off and to make viewers face the reality of what happens when you jump from a burning building into something much much worse end quote yeah yeah i think yeah that makes sense (laughs) um General mental health guidelines from the American Psychiatric Association also say that, quote, the realistic portrayal of mental illness in television and movies can be an effective way to reduce stigma around psychiatric issues, end quote. However, the APA warns that, quote, it can be troubling if those portrayals do not show options for treatment, end quote. And I think that is um, a huge thing of what the show kind of um missed the mark with yeah they do mention obviously like i had mentioned before the school counselor is tape number 13 and it's because after her rape she went to the the school counselor to try to get help and he wasn't very helpful so um she sought one form of um of help and i'm not saying that uh it's victim blamey that like, oh, you should seek every single type of help that you can find. But it didn't show that there was any, um, anybody trying to help her at all. Like, yeah. It just showed like one adult being like, I kind of don't have time for this. Or like, I don't know if I believe you or something like that. Like, um, it showed, it, it pretty much showed people that like, oh, you trust this one adult. They're not going to help you. Yeah. So I think if it had showed multiple different um, forms of ways to get help while being in a mental health crisis, then it would have been more successful. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. But because there is no one way to get help. Exactly. Um, and like if you're 
not um, able to verbalize what is going on. There are like text services that you can text somebody. If you don't want to speak to somebody, you know, there's hotlines that you can call that you can speak to an anonymous person. Um, like there's different ways to get help than to go to a school counselor and kind of get like shrugged off. Right. Not saying that every school counselor will do that. Obviously not, but that's kind of what they depicted in the show. Um, so I watched the show when there was the full suicide scene in the show. Mm -hmm. And I think that was the one episode that like, um, even though most of season one didn't have trigger warnings, I believe that episode did right from the beginning. Okay. I Uh, truly, I don't remember. If I'm wrong, somebody tell me I'm wrong, but I, f- I believe that it did have a warning before it. Um, and yeah, it's really hard to watch. And I see, from watching it, I see what they were trying to do with it. Like, it's not like any death scene in a million other movies where there's like this powerful instrumental music playing in the background and the person like gracefully slips away. Like, it was, it was played to pretty much silence as my memory serves and um, panic and it's hard to watch and I get kind of what they were trying to do, but maybe it didn't need to be included or should have had more of a warning in front of it or a million other things. Yeah. There were many ways that they could have portrayed it without going that route. Yes. But I, I do see how they portrayed it as not a a beautiful thing. Like it's messy and rough and horrible and uh, doesn't look like something anyone would want to experience and doesn't look like it would be anyone's first way out. So Netflix said in a statement to CBS, quote, We've heard from many young people that 13 Reasons Why encourage them to start conversations about difficult issues like depression and suicide and get help, often for the first time. So on the advice of medical experts, we've decided with creator Brian Yorkey and the producers of 13 Reasons Why to edit the scene in which Hannah takes her own life from season one. End quote. Yorkey added, quote, We believe this edit will help the show do the most good for the most people while mitigating any risk for especially vulnerable young viewers. End quote. Which... I mean, probably what they should have done from the get-go. The get-go. Yeah. I mean, you're never going to get away from it. The sh- like the whole storyline is about a girl that commits suicide. So, uh, yeah, but... <laughs> you were going to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, but you didn't need to show that. It could have stayed more true to the book that right. she took pills or something less graphic than that. Yeah. Um, it was a bit overkill. Yes. So, uh, unfortunately, there are almost direct correlations of um, a life being taken from somebody watching the show. So Joyce Dightthorn, I think is how you say her name, and her 19-year-old daughter, Emily Bragg, watched the first couple of episodes of 13 Reasons Why together when it first premiered in 2017. Dightthorn begged Emily to stop watching because she believed that the show would be harmful for her daughter, who was being treated for bipolar disorder and other mental health-related issues. So Here's a mother who sees the problems with the show, knows of her daughter's mental health journey, and is saying, 
as a, as an adult, this is not a good idea. You should not watch it. But the girl's 19 years old. Uh, chances are you're not going to have child protection locks on your uh, viewing habits. Right. And you can't you can't police everybody. So no. Dythorn can only do so much, like I said, and Emily was hooked on the show and kept watching it against her mother's wish- wishes. A few weeks later, on June 24th, 2017, Emily killed herself, and it was in the exact same way that Hannah did in the show. Mm-hmm. So you can't say that, oh, this you don't know if she ever watched the show, oh, it was something different. No, she clearly watched the show and copied what she saw in the show. Right. Terrible. And Dightthorn told BuzzFeed News through tears, quote, I still have PTSD from it because I was the one that found her. I truly believe that that show was the final thing that kind of just pushed her over the edge, end quote. Yeah. The causes behind a suicide can be complex, as we've talked about, and experts caution trying to find a single motivation for taking their own life, which we've also talked about, like, you're not going to be a mentally uh, healthy person by um, a doctor's definition and watch the show and then automatically like become suicidal. But like, yeah, if you already have mental health uh, troubles and you watch the show, maybe it could be compounded into something terrible, but who's to say? Yeah. Um, like we had said, mental health professionals have warned viewers with mental health illnesses not to engage with the show, obviously, but we've talked about the whole, like, the whole controversy with that. So Netflix said that they were removing the suicide scene, like we talked about, but Dightthorn says the decision is way little too late. Mm-hmm. She went on to say, quote, I guess it's just them owning that they did the wrong thing. I kind of thought, how much should they own other people that take their own lives? End quote. While Netflix was praised by not by suicide nonprofits and mental health experts after removing the scene, Dightthorn is not among them, saying, quote, it destroyed my family and we're still piecing our lives back together, even knowing that they had doctors that were aware and told them not to show it prior to the show premiering. Yep. Um, why would they go forward with that? End quote. And it's like you had said, like people had people in the mental health profession had said, hey, it's probably not a good idea to do this. Oh, it was and beyond that. I actually, I read a re- an interview. I'm, I'm not trying to interrupt, but I feel like this does Go need ahead. to be said. Yeah. I read an interview with one of the experts that producers and writers actually interviewed because they went all over and interviewed all kinds of experts from like therapists to As suicide should, foundations. Yeah. Yes. And it, all of the interviews were basically like, okay, what should we not do? And this woman who was one of the people they consulted came forward because literally they took everything, almost everything, if not everything, that they were told not to put in the series for triggering purposes, for everything. They put all of it in there. And she was like, it was like they were looking for ideas, not looking for how can we help others. Yeah, that's where I was like, fuck this. (laughs) Their research was in the right place. Like, yes, if you're doing a show about this, you should go to all these professional places and 100%. like learn about what you're portraying. But like, if you're not going to follow any of the the stuff that they said, then why the fuck did you do it in the first place? Yeah, no, you would have better bother. off. You would have better off just done the show blind and like 
put in whatever you thought of and then blamed ignorance afterwards. Like, right. It's even worse knowing that you went to all the places to get all the information and then just didn't follow any of it. Yeah. No. Fucked it's, up. Yeah. It is. It's truly, it's so fucked up. And I just, I can't understand it. I just, I don't know how you could justify it. And I'm honestly... I'm, this is going to sound very parenty, but I'm very disappointed in Selena Gomez, who yeah. is one of the people who's producing Executive this producer. series. Yeah. yeah, because she has been very forthcoming about her mental health issues and having to go into check herself into mental health facilities and things like that. And to be... To have those experiences and to still say, yeah, this is okay. This is a good idea. I just, I don't know how or why. But that's also, that's also just showing like everyone's mental health journey is different. Like you could have two people with the same mental health issue and they won't react to the same situation in the same way. Like if Selena Gomez has mental health problems and she's the executive producer of the show. She clearly saw stuff before it was premiered. And she herself is like, well, I have gone through X, Y, and Z, and this is not triggering to me. That doesn't mean it's not going to be triggering to somebody else in a similar situation. Like everyone reacts to things differently. So if you're saying that you are now the, um, the spokesperson for people with mental health things, like, okay, I, as the spokesperson, say that this is not triggering. Like, who are you to say something like that? Right. Well, I mean... Not that she ever claimed to be the spokesperson for it, but, like... But at at that same time, you would think, though, that because of that, because of having that experience, not being the spokesperson, per se, because, again, not just is that not necessarily... Like, that's a big responsibility for anybody to take on. But, um... You would think that she would be more, I, I don't want to say aware, but just that she would understand better than anybody that no, nobody's mental illness looks the same. And yeah. what's triggering for one person may not be triggering for another and vice versa. I feel like that's not too difficult to understand as a person coming from that background or whatever you want to call it perspective and the fact that she is uh very much in the public eye with a lot of young fans that look up to her and you don't know how many people watched the show because they saw that she was involved in it in some way yeah so that's pretty fucked up i agree um but getting to the end of this article um in a short statement to buzzfeed news for the article that i'm quoting a Netflix spokesperson offered condolences to Dightthorn, saying, quote, Our hearts are go out to this family. We've been mindful of the ongoing debate around the show, which includes the voices of viewers, experts, and parents. End quote. Dightthorn hasn't actually watched any more of 13 Reasons Why after her daughter Emily's death. The pain mm-hmm. is too fresh, and the show is too close to her own lived experience. She says, quote, My heart still hurts for what I've lost. They will never know the magnitude of what they've done to myself and my family. End quote. I think that's very fair. Yeah. She doesn't need to watch any more of it. Like, no. she's living it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I'm at the end of all of my research. Again, take everything I've said 
uh, not quoted from an article with a grain of salt because I have not lived it. So I just wanted to talk about all of the information that I found because our show is about how crime kind of, or depictions of crime impact our society and how we talk about it. And this was a huge one. Yeah. Um, I wanted to end saying that for at least for anybody in the U.S., I'll try to post more on the website, but the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. There are other international suicide helplines. Um, you can find some of those on befrienders.org. B-E-F-R-I-E-N-D-E-R-S dot org. You can also text TALK, the word TALK, T-A-L-K, to 741-741. It's free and anonymous. It's a 24-7 crisis support line um, from the U.S. Yes. And uh, if I, anyone needs those resources, please go there. Um, I actually, as you were saying that, because I actually have a friend who works for the crisis text line. Oh, wow. Um, so yeah heavy stuff Rough job Jesus. yeah um but if you are i know we have some listeners who are outside of the u.s and so yep. for canada um you can text home to 686868 so basically 686868 and mm -hmm. for the uk it's 85258 okay and if you also look up crisistextline.org you can just there's a button that you can hit if you are not from the US or Canada or the UK and they can connect you to whatever line that may be that you need. Perfect. Uh yeah, we just wanted to end with that just if anyone is going through some stuff, we want our listeners to remain our listeners for a very long time. Yeah. And not uh, just for the listens. No, not just for the listeners. No, just we for actually the, the just want you DMs. around. Yeah, we just want you around. <laughs> yeah, we just want to hang out. We want we want that that hope that one day we can hang out. Yeah, exactly. Uh, if you have a <laughs> opinion about the show, which a lot of people seem to have, oh yeah, um, that can happen anywhere on our website, social media. Just uh, try to have an opinion that's not. Um, X's opinion of this is shit. <laughs> mm -hmm. Just have your own opinion and not an opinion on my opinion. Yeah. Does that make sense? It makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll post a bunch of stuff on the website, including all of those crisis hotlines for anybody that is in need. And um, we'll probably have like a more uplift, not, I can't say uplifting. Um, a less heavy yeah maybe <laughs> i don't know what next week's episode is but we'll get to it when it's there i know what next week's episode is but i'm not gonna spoil it is it a rough one it's it's not a i would not call it i mean it's no 13 reasons why i will tell you yep. that um yeah, right. it's i mean because i feel like all of these were a true crime podcast so all of them are pretty rough but that's true yeah it's it's something it's a thing that exists all right. All right. Well, with that vague description, <laughs> we will see you next Tuesday. Okay, bye. Bye. Except that's not goodbye because we have to say thank you to our patrons for the month of January. And to help me do that, special guest Elliot.
Yes, it's me. Hello. Uh, just wanted to say thank you to Camilla, McKenna, and Sin. We appreciate your support, and uh, thank you very much. Okay, bye. Do it. Uh, <laughs> I really don't. Uh,